This time on Holy Ghost Nuts. <laughs> Don't get me talking about meats. Ludicrous mode? That just seems kind of ridiculous. <laughs> da, 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 da. Okay, that sounds a little funky. Just the way you like it. Hello and welcome to the Holy Ghost Notes. My name is Matt and I'm here with my co-host Tim Anderson. Hey there. Tim, how you doing? Dude, I'm doing uh, just mighty fine. It smells Good. like uh, it smells like sloppy joes in my house right now. Uh, really? Or for uh, the Pennsylvania Dutch, uh, it smells like barbecue. Yeah. I made that for dinner tonight and uh, definitely reminiscent oh, of nice. my roots. So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm back in old yeah. Lancaster County right now. <laughs> we made, um, I, I made breakfast the other morning for Annie and my whole house still smells like bacon. Oh, that's the best. I love so that. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The, we set off both smoke alarms, like individually <laughs> of each other. Uh, the bacon was definitely crispy. Yes. Just the way you like it. I love that. I, uh, I love to see I, it. I found a little hack, and, and some of you might actually get offended by this, but there's a there's a <laughs> bacon cooker that you can put in your microwave. <laughs> really? It's so that's amazing. Granted, it's I'm not as, to add that to my registry. It's not as good as you know, like fried bacon in a pan or even like bacon yeah. in the oven. But uh, that's the way we did it. I'm telling you, like oven. yeah, like. One minute per per slice in the microwave, and you're done. Mm-hmm. And there's no Wait, splatter. There's no this, cleanup. It's the best. Is this the type of bacon, or it's a special? This is a cooker, a bacon cooker. So I just get regular oh, old okay. bacon, yeah, and cook it on this uh, cooker, and it's uh, it's amazing. So mm, easy, yeah, easy. Because half of the time I'm like working while I'm making myself breakfast, and uh, <laughs> this uh, saves me a lot of time. Yeah, that's that's the tough thing about bacon. It's yeah. like, man, I would love it's to have commitment. some bacon right now. But by the time you get to the point in which you're eating the bacon, you've created a sink full of dishes. Mm-hmm. And there's grease everywhere, and it's it is worth it. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna sit here and say it's not worth it. It is. But 100% it is always astonishing yeah. how much work it takes yeah. to get to the point where you're enjoying right a little bit of bacon. Yeah. And by the way, the amount of bacon that you get in the end is so much less than when you put it on that pan because my gosh, that's there's right. so much fat. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But that's what makes it beautiful. And it's. it's uh, it does. It makes it taste so good. I, I learned this recently. Um, my wife got me a, a smoker for Christmas, oh, and I just broke nice. it in. And I the first trigger. Thing I, uh, it was uh, no, no, not not as cool as that. It was a um, <laughs> shoot. What's the not what's the real the either. consumer the consumer one? <laughs> it's uh, I, I don't know. I, consumer I, one. Yeah, Traeger makes consumer. <laughs> this is the you. Well, the, I don't the know. Two hundred dollar version but. one. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like an electric smoker. I forget what the brand okay. is, but um, yeah. How do you I, like it? I like it. I like it a lot. I I cooked a nice. uh, a pork shoulder, ten pounder, uh, for about sixteen hours, and it turned out fantastic. 
It was great. It, mm. You know, it has a little awesome. compartment so you can get the wood smoke in there. You know, you just put some, uh, like, it's like wood shavings, really, that you put in there. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, did um, did a nice rub on it. it smells and, uh, oh my gosh, so good. It is great, but, like, the fat really makes a difference. Like, I got a nice piece, left some fat on top, and it really just, like, oh, yeah. oh gosh, it's so good. Don't get me talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, we Meats. should we should uh, stop talking about <laughs> yeah, this. I'm I think I'm going to have some ice cream after we're done. <laughs> yeah. Sometime we should record an nice. episode while we um, enjoy some some food. Because usually it's like maybe you have a coffee or yeah. something to drink. That way everyone but can hear us chewing and Yeah, stuff. wouldn't that be <laughs> an awful episode? It would be very fun for us. I would love it, uh, personally. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> would be my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, but okay. Maybe not we'll never my favorite do that, to listen but... back to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, the other day, I was at the studio. So we're recording on your record. Right. And um, our producer, Carson uh, Slovak, producer, engineer, he pulls up in his Tesla. Have you ever been in a Tesla? I never have. No. I think they're pretty cool though. They are. It's it's my third time in one. First time was when I was doing a clinic in Indiana, I think. Mm-hmm. And the guy that I was teaching with summoned his car. <laughs> we were sitting oh, right, in the restaurant. They, they have the autopilot, right? The the self-driving. Yeah. yeah. I think the I think the term is summon, on, like on his iPhone. His car came over, picked us up. We went for a drive around the block, came back. All the lights started flashing while we were outside of the car. And I said, um, "Is everything all right with your car?" He said, "Oh yeah, my wife's doing that from home, two thousand miles away. She probably saw that we were driving around the block and was like, I'm gonna mess with them.' Yeah. The windows were going up and down. I mean, it was like." Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That's really it was funny. so cool. <laughs> so that was the first time. Second time was with our booking agent who has ludicrous mode, <laughs> ludicrous which mode. is zero to 60 in like it's a couple like seconds. Straight out of Spaceballs, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love the reference. Uh, that was incredible. And then I saw that Carson has one. So I, um, <clears throat> anyway, I got in his car and I just noticed how simple everything is and while i'm looking around realizing how there's very few extras mm-hmm. on the inside of the vehicle there's a huge screen and there's really nothing else and while i was looking around i noticed there is no ignition switch and there's no push button start yeah. right <laughs> and i i don't know if everybody knows this or like if 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 no one knows this, like I definitely had never thought about it, but you don't start the car. Mm-hmm. Your phone is your key. Right. And when you get close to your car, your Tesla, the car unlocks, mm-hmm. you get in, you sit down, you shut the door, and you go. <laughs> right. I was sitting there, we were talking about this a little bit before this episode, but I was sitting there thinking, man, I feel really old because that idea is bizarre. Uh, to me, and I was thinking, there's a younger generation out there who will see that as totally normal. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, that's how your car should operate. Every other car is dumb that doesn't do that, right? Which I can empathize with that idea when you think about that process of walking up to your vehicle, 
opening the door, sitting down, and just yeah. going. Why would you need to do anything else? There is a backup card in case you don't have your phone on you. And that is really the only, you know, access to your car. So anyway, he pulls up his, his phone and he can do everything from his phone. And then on the actual screen in the car, you can fold the mirrors in, mm-hmm. you can roll the windows down, you can open the glove compartment. <laughs> There's God. not a latch on the glove compartment. <laughs> like... Well, Little things like ridiculous. that. <laughs> uh, it's pretty pretty wild. So wow, I um, yeah, it's just found it really interesting, and I'm I'm kind of surprised that you've never been in one because at you this are, point I really should have been in one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, I wonder if Tim's ever been in a Tesla because I I could see you driving a Tesla. I could see you liking. A Tesla. I almost, uh, they, th- so they're coming out with um, this really ugly looking truck. Cyber truck. Cyber truck. And I think it looks kind of cool. I, I actually I'm think one of the only cool. ones to think so, that. Well, I, I'm just like, it looks like an 8 bit vehicle to me, like uh-huh. what you would have seen <laughs> in the video games back in the 90s or early 80s, you know? And uh, the cool part about it is that like their, their marketing tactic was like, you can buy one. Like you can reserve your own Cybertruck for like a hundred with bucks, like a hundred right? bucks. Yeah, that's all you need. Yeah, so I was cheap. really considering yeah. if I hadn't needed a car sooner, um, right? With the kid coming and stuff, I was actually considering just getting a Cybertruck. Um, they're still not out yet. They're still not out yet. Yeah, people are still waiting. And it's probably going to be another year. I think. I think it's twenty twenty three where they're. Is that right? Getting released. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I, I could see wow. myself driving a Tesla. I'm I'm not like 100% sold on the electric cars yet, mostly because of how long you have to wait for it to charge. Mm-hmm. Like I just think of that as a as a drawback. Just knowing my personality, I wait till my yeah. Jeep gets to like empty before I go mm-hmm. fill it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so you'd be waiting until your Tesla be, got to yeah, 5 mile range. And I just and... I still at this point I don't see like charging stations everywhere. So I just I yeah. there's planning involved in uh in having an electric car. You need to make sure, sure that you're able to get to a place where you can charge it um and plan out your trips that way. And I'm just not Do you know what that much of a planner <laughs> when it comes Carson, to driving. <laughs> so check this out. Carson pulls into the studio and he plugs his car in there's a charging station at rock Lidditz. really and then he walks over to the studio works all day and then walks back that's great i mean it's like the most ideal yeah i think that probably factored into his decision to get one because it's just so convenient mm. yeah uh, the reason i thought of you when it comes to tesla is i see you as someone who is highly efficient and sees driving at times as a period of time that you could be getting work done. Well, that's one. I don't see that for you all the time, but I I see you sitting back and letting the Tesla do its own thing and you being able to, to get some work done. Well, you know, what's funny. It's funny that you said it that way because I've actually thought about this, but from, from the opposite perspective, like I'm just seeing like, man, I spend a lot of time driving and I could be spending that driving time 
like taking some time for myself. <laughs> like instead of working, like I could make that excuse yeah. like, well, normally I would actually be doing something and now I can just not do something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> have a sandwich or something without working at the same time, you know. It's um, like free time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, free that is time. That is attractive. Um and it probably will uh, be something I will invest in in the future. But I think I'm I'm kind of just waiting for it to be uh, so mundane. Like right now, you look at a Tesla and it's really cool. And like, wow, that person has a Tesla. And you wonder, I wonder where they're going to go get that charged. Like I wonder what yeah. gas station has a charging station right now. But I'm waiting for the time where it's like, oh, yeah. Every single gas station has a charging station. Mm-hmm. Uh, every house has it as a regular piece of their garage. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, there's in. there's yeah. uh, you know equipment for electric vehicles in every Walmart. You know, um, right. I'm kind of waiting for that point more for from the convenience standpoint because I feel like you have to yeah. do a little extra to uh, to own an electric vehicle. But I love the concept and I like where they're going with yeah. it. So yeah, huh? Yeah. Interesting. That's an interesting take on it. I, I see your point. I mean, once it gets more streamlined, and certainly it will. Yeah. I mean, you're going to see Sheets gas stations oh, yeah. implementing this into their setup, and mm-hmm. it's a no-brainer. And, and people are going to incentivize stopping at their locations with, you know, these yeah, charging dude, ports. It's, it's and, the future. I mean, think it just, uh, I mean, I don't know how much you've looked into, like, the metaverse and everything they're doing with that, but just the fact that you can get a virtual job at this point within like your oculus system <laughs> and do virtual work to get virtual money that actually because of uh like everything that uh tesla's doing like i'm sure at some point will convert to like virtual energy that you basically mm. get paid in like gas but not mm-hmm. gas because it's electric <laughs> you know mm-hmm. i mean right. that's pretty <laughs> wild you know i mean you can already order yeah. food through the metaverse and get it delivered to your to your house through money that you made in the metaverse. <laughs> like, I mean, if that's not wild, really? yeah, yeah, it's crazy. There's a lot that's going happening. on. There's a lot going on. I just had I just yeah. did an interview today. Uh, my company's hiring a um, a digital marketing manager, and uh, okay. so I've been interviewing for this position. And there was a guy today um, who uh, could only do part time because his other job is developing. Um, basically an advertising, a digital marketing, a digital advertising system within the metaverse. <laughs> so that's his other job. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is man. like crazy how, how real this is now. You know, we could talk about this a long time. Yeah, we could. We should dedicate a future episode to this. Um, if you're listening to this and tracking with us, we're not going to spend the full hour on this, obviously. <laughs> yeah. but, but it is interesting because there has always been the dilemma about how you will choose to spend the time in your day. And as it turns out, there's an eight hour work day, which means there's 16 hours of freedom mm-hmm. on average. Eight hours of sleep is recommended. So that leaves you eight hours to do whatever you'd like. And we're now being, we're now being um, presented with this idea of FOMO in a way that for the first, maybe for the first time in my life, I couldn't be any less interested in missing out on what is actually happening. 
because I know I'm missing out on it. Yeah. I mean, we all know what's what's happening and we're we're choosing to spend our time in other ways or maybe we're not. Maybe you're listening to this and you're like, actually, I've been spending a lot of time in the metaverse. (laughs) I have not. And I have no desire to because at 36 years old, I know that there's a lot of ways to spend my time. Tim, there's a lot of ways to spend your time. Um, I just heard Tony Dungy speak last night in a Men of Iron conference. And all the reinforcement I need to know that I don't want to spend my time in the metaverse is out of all of his achievements, if he's telling the truth, he he claims that um, mentoring and speaking into other people's lives is what has the most significance. Hmm. Yeah. He won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. Right. Um, and he spoke to about a thousand people in a room, a lot of money in the room. I would, I was telling my fiance, I would, I would, dare say hundreds, a uh, hundred million dollars, maybe more of, of wealth in that room, wow. entrepreneurs, business owners. <clears throat> and I said to my fiance, I can't imagine a better speaker because I don't think anyone in that room has the kind of accolades that Tony Dungy has. And he's up there saying, it doesn't matter in comparison with this one thing, which yeah. is me speaking into other people's lives and seeing what they can do because someone did that for me before they knew I would be a Super Bowl coach. And I thought about it. I'm like, that applies to a lot of my life, but it definitely applies to this. We will always, we will all have to make a decision about how we're choosing to spend our free time. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and right now I, sp- I spend a lot of time on my drum set, which mm-hmm. is behind me. Uh, I spend a decent amount of time sleeping. Could use a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there are a lot of other things that are happening in a day and I, I don't see the value um, right. in investing into that. But I know it's happening and I know that it is a part of the future. So it's this weird friction, tension yeah. of like, I know... I'm missing out on mm-hmm. it, but actually I, I, I just, I couldn't care any less. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think part of that is just like age, <laughs> like we're getting older know, and there's really just, old. Well, no, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just how it is. You know, we get to a certain point and we're like comfortable and satisfied with the things that we've experienced. And if it's up to us, we're just going to keep on experiencing those things again and again and again, because it's what, mm. what we're used to and it's what makes us happy and you know, um, on the other side of it, I'm sure there's those that, you know, want to continue to experience. I mean, I'm all about experiencing new things, but like when I think about new things, it's like, uh, traveling and seeing new places and experiencing new cultures and meeting new people, you know, (laughs) like not necessarily experiencing new technology. Although the technology that Mm -hmm. I've experienced is exciting and it's cool. And, you know, I mean, I, I've been loving, playing golf, playing 18 holes of golf in the Oculus, you know, that's really, it's yeah, awesome. Yeah. It's amazing. It's great. But, uh, see that I, that I, it's, that it's, would be fun. Yeah. It's, it's great. I mean, if for, especially like, so it, it came out the right time for me because there was, you know, yeah. COVID and I couldn't see people. And so mm-hmm. it was a great way to hang out with people without hanging out with people. It's like the next best thing. Um, right. So, and it's been great for me, like just connecting with, with close friends that have 
have moved away and, and, you know, I can hear their voice as clear as day and there's an avatar that looks enough like them and yeah. uh, we're playing a game together. It's them interacting with me. It's, you know, um, but they're in, you know, Georgia and I'm in Jersey, <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, That's so cool. But it's cool. It's, you know, because now I can hang out with my friends, basically, just, you know, via mm-hmm. the, I guess it's called the metaverse now. I, I don't know, via the Oculus. Are, uh, <laughs> are any of the drummers... Um, that you know or any of the drum companies that you're familiar with investing into this world? I, I mean, certainly there's there's opportunities there. Well, you know what? Before, um, before Oculus was released, I saw a company, and I, I'm the name is evading me, but there was a company that did uh, something similar where it would project a drum set on the screen and you would have sticks and then like straps that went around your feet and you could oh, play drums that. and it like you know you plug it in your ears they it sent was, me a demo of that yeah, yeah it was it was big at one of the um you know uh what's the big event in in california um is it called um oh nam nam yeah is it, it called NAM. stick or sticks yeah i think I so well, so there's a couple iterations of it as well okay um, but yeah it was something i have the one that's something called like that. stick yeah um so I, I'd be interested to see how that I've I've searched a few times to see if there's something in the Oculus that would not take the place of, of real drumming, but would allow me to like practice, so to speak, in a yeah. in a virtual world. Um, I think the biggest drawback to the Oculus at this point, and this is something they're correcting, but it's just the lack of um, like physical um, feel. You know, like they have the vibrations and stuff and the remotes and you can get like vests and jackets that like make you feel the vibrations and they have like mm-hmm. basically a 360 treadmill that you could purchase for $4,000 or whatever that <laughs> lets you walk wherever you want. You know, there's like, there's upgrades. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm interested to see where it goes because, you know, mm-hmm. for me as someone who can't play drums most days because of work and then can't play late because of kids and my home situation, you know, uh, I'd love to be you. able to, yeah, to yeah. Uh, even like be able to record. <laughs> like, I mean, nowadays samples sound so good, you know, I sampling know. systems are just next level. Um, I wouldn't mind being able to lay down some tracks late at night, even just practice uh, in a virtual uh, capacity. You know, I think that'd be really yeah. cool, but I don't know. That would we'll, be. We'll see where it goes. I haven't seen anything that's quite up to, up to par with what I would mm-hmm pay for but you know yeah yeah that's really interesting this is um something that if you're listening to this and you know more about it than we do which is which is likely um (laughs) certainly more than me um it's it's interesting because i i i have a farm and i see the need for pragmatic practical hands in the dirt kind of work and experience um, but I, but I also have always loved technology, and like I said, it's weird for me because it's the first time in my life that I've looked at something uh, that's techy and thought to myself, I just have no desire to even try. Yeah, I guess like TikTok would also play into this a little bit. That was a, the first social yeah. media app the that I was just like after our time. Yeah, yeah, it's after I our agree time. With you. So it's. I guess there's a point in which you start to sound old, and I think this episode officially, um, <laughs> yeah, officially reveals that. Um, which yeah. I'm I'm fine to admit because you know at some point, you, 
at yeah. some point you got to draw Where's the, line the cutoff, sand. man? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I guess we found it. This is it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is pretty funny. <laughs> well, not to delay any further, um, we've got a fun one for you guys today. Uh, we're going to talk about something we've we've kind of had on uh, on the list for a while, and that is uh, odd time signatures. Um, we were actually trying to figure out whether to call it odd time signatures or subdivisions, but I think we'll probably kind of work both into the same topic. And then our faith topic today is discipleship. Um, and I'm excited to, uh, talk about both of these topics. Um, so let's get into it. Um, yep, let's do it. Do you want to head this one off? Yeah, I can kick this off. Okay, cool. So, um... So I was I'll follow I, your lead. Yeah, I, I've been thinking a lot about uh, odd time signatures. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, actually, believe it or not, because of uh, Taylor Hawkins uh, and his hmm. recent death. Because uh, one of my favorite songs of theirs is a song called "Times Like These," which I've talked about on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. But I love it so much because it start it starts in an odd time signature. It starts in seven. And then switches to four four when the vocals come in, mm-hmm. and so for a, a you know a top forty single on the radio to have this <laughs> odd time intro, it's just I love it so much for that reason. And so I've been thinking a lot about odd time and just what it can do. It's really not that difficult to understand, even at um, a beginner level. And yeah. What I want to do today is, for those of you listening who might not have ventured into um, utilizing odd time signatures and subdivisions, it's a it's a really great way to break into some um, just some interesting sounding riffs, you know. And sorry, mm-hmm. my camera keeps giving me notifications hopefully it got that on camera we'll see um <laughs> <laughs> can only uh, hope yeah um so so here's what i was thinking about I, i've talked about this before the way that i see drumming right now when i'm playing is like a grid and part of that is because i'm literally seeing a grid in front of me it's pro tools um but mm-hmm. also just because with every single um with you know, with especially like once you start like listening to metronomes and stuff, there's clicks and then there's mm-hmm. divisions of those clicks and then more divisions of those clicks. We've broken down some you know simple time signatures like uh you know like a four four four. I mean a four four is you know one enda, two enda, mm-hmm. three enda, four enda. You know and right there you've got your subdivisions. You know mm-hmm. that e and uh <laughs> are all divisions of that one, two, three, four. So when you have, uh, like, like, so, all right, you're a beginner, you're playing, why don't you put that, um, that snare hit, you know, your left or your right, if you're, if you're playing lefty on the, um, on the and, or the or the E. Let's do the E. One E. So one, one E, one E, one. You know, and mm-hmm. right off the bat, you're like, okay, that sounds a little funky. That's like not where I would put that that snare hit. You know, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and so 
you're still playing in a pretty simple time signature, 4-4, four, four, but you've right. just made that groove a little mm-hmm. bit complicated, and it's not hard to Absolutely. do. It's really not hard to do at all, um, but it makes it sound cool and a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be hard depending on what your right hand's doing, though. That is true. If you're, Let's say your right hand's playing on the end. And two, and three, and four, and one, and two, and three, and then your E's right before the end. So I found that it really depends on your right hand lead. Um, it doesn't have to be difficult to put snare drum on E, but depending on what your right hand's doing, you can up the difficulty level pretty quickly, irregardless of what time signature you're playing in. Right, you're right, because it's it's not it's not really about how high you're counting, mm-hmm. which is what a time signature is how high you're counting is the top number, how fast you're counting is the bottom number. So if it's if it's six over four, you're counting to six, uh, and the bottom number is how fast you're counting. So you're counting quarter notes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter that you're counting to six versus four if you're putting the snare on a weird part right. of that sixteenth note pattern. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard, um, you know, regardless. And that's that's a good point. Four four can be a hard time signature to play in, a difficult time signature to play in, depending on what you're doing inside of that time signature. Mm-hmm. Which I guess goes without saying, but it is true. Like, yeah. I, I've talked to a lot of people who hear that something's in 4-4. Four, four, what time of signature is that in? You know, And it's like, oh, it's it's just in 4. It's like, what? It sounds yeah. so hard. Well, yeah, 4, four doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> that, <laughs> <That's> it's, <easy. laughs> that it's bread and butter. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot can happen in that in that right. four count. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I think a lot what, that can happen in there. Right, right. And I think I want to kind of um, display some examples, like in this conversation, for for beginners who might be intimidated by mm-hmm. either switching to a time signature out of your typical three four four four, or you know. Um, might be intimidated by utilizing subdivisions mm-hmm. because I think it's, yes, it is, it is hard. It's not what you would normally do, but there's a pragmatic way to, to break it down and start throwing things in. And for like, for me, like my mind just opened up once I started seeing the, the grid. Cause what I wasn't, I'm mm-hmm. not just seeing a grid. I'm seeing potential. I'm seeing, you know, uh, in numerous ways that I can <laughs> change how mm-hmm. I play in this time signature. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and so, y- you know, it's, it's, um, it's really important, I think, at, for the, for the growth, uh, you know, as a drummer, your growth, um, mm-hmm. to, to start understanding these things and start implementing them. So, mm-hmm. so let's, let's say you sit at your kit and you say, all right, I'm going to count to five. Mm-hmm. With your right hand, close your hi-hat with your foot so it's a nice tight sound and play five hi-hat hits in a row. One, two, three, four, five. Stop. All right. Now, do that same thing, but without pausing, just repeat it. But count to five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four. Four, five. You are playing in five. 
And maybe you've never played in an odd, quote-unquote, odd time signature before, or odd meter, but you are right now mm -hmm. with just your right hand. And if someone were in your house or in your studio listening to you, all they hear is... They don't know you're counting five. All mm -hmm. they hear is... Right. Huh. Mm -hmm. Well, that's interesting because that could be four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, right. four. Anybody can play that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anybody can play in five, apparently, right? Mm -hmm. With just your right hand on a closed hi-hat. So you build it from the bass up. Then you, then you say, all right, kick drums on one. All right, this is easy. Hi-hat, five hits in a row. Kick drum is going to be every time you say one, you hit the kick. Mm -hmm. One, two, three. One, two. Now you're involving two limbs in this ordeal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, what about snare drum? Hmm. One, two, three, four. Might I propose snare drum on four? Um, creates a really smooth feeling in five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. It's almost six. Mm -hmm. It almost has that swing feeling, but it's just yep. cut short by one beat. Now you're playing in five with your right hand, with your left hand, and with your kick. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. Well, um, there are seemingly endless possibilities inside of this simple idea uh, in that you could break it down as much as you wanted to, like you just talked about subdivisions. Mm -hmm. Put snare drum on any one of the quarter notes, any one of the eighth notes, any one of the sixteenth notes. So if you look at it like a grid, you have the bold lines would be your quarter notes. One, two, three, four. Those are your numbers. Then you have the eighth notes, which are in between the quarter notes. Those are slightly yeah. less bold. And, uh, one, yep. and two, and three, and four. Then you have the sixteenth notes, which are your E's and your O's, which mm -hmm. are in between your quarter notes and your eighth notes. So you have one, two, three, four, one, and two. And those are your eighth notes. And, and, and. Then you have your sixteenth notes. One e and a, e and a, e and a, e and a, e a, e a, e a, e a. Well, put your snare drum on any one of those inside of five, and you have, you know, all those possibilities. And then you think to yourself, boy, oh boy, do I need to get better. At playing drums because <laughs> the amount of independence it takes to do um, any of that with one limb, nevertheless two, and then three, and then four. And that's the beauty of drumming. Mm -hmm. You take something that everybody can play, like playing with just your right hand and five on your hi-hat, and you add another limb. Mm -hmm. Then you add another limb. And all you're doing is counting to a number and starting over. Right. The top number is how high you count. The bottom number is how fast you count. If it's 5-4, you're counting as high as to 5 and starting over. 5-4, the bottom number is 4, you're counting a certain way. So you could count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. You could also count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. 1, 2, that completely changes how you're going to play mm -hmm. it. You could also count one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. All that's determined by the bottom number. Right. 
So um, <clears throat> when I'm writing drums to ABR, am I sitting here thinking, all right, this is in this time signature. Here's how it would be written. No. <laughs> you're looking at the musical piece and you're saying, where does it start over? Where does it resolve? Okay. Mm-hmm. Right there. How many beats is that from the beginning until it starts over? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, seven. It's in seven. All right. Um, the reason that's important to me is because I want to play it so that it feels like it's in four, but I'm going to keep it in seven, so it's mm-hmm. going to loop. And there you have a polyrhythm, meaning that seven is being played over top of four, and you know it's going to repeat when seven and four match. So where is that? Seven, nope. 14, four, eight, 12, nope. 21, nope. 28. Seven, 14, 21, 28. Four goes into 28. Seven goes into 28. 28 is the lowest common multiple. It's math. So after four times through seven, your four, four plane is going to reset. Mm-hmm. It's going to resolve. And the audience never even needs to know it because you're just playing one, two, Four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, mm-hmm. six, seven. One, two. Just playing what feels like a four-four groove, but you know, the sound of the musical pieces and right. Seven. And this is all happening internally. My great uncle is standing there thinking, "Don't you just hit the drums?" <laughs> he has no idea. <laughs> No idea what goes into this. You know, yeah, I think yeah. about that all the time. It's like, yes, <laughs> yeah. I hit the drums, but actually I spend hours and days and months with this instrument trying We've to We spent three it years out. talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you just hit them? Uh, yeah, yeah we've, we have a podcast about it, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that, ladies and gentlemen, is, is, the, is why you have the drum teacher explain... <laughs> Odd time <laughs> and uh, subdivisions. Well done. You well did done. good, Tim. I you did good. I'm just I'm I. <laughs> it's it's important to talk. I I like to talk about this in a way that if I were sitting on the other end of it, I would understand it mm-hmm. and I would benefit from it. Yeah. And um, time signatures are something that when when I was coming up through, I never really fully understood. And when people would try to explain it to me, it just seemed like. I couldn't I couldn't get my head around it. Didn't really didn't make sense when I sat down and the rubber met the road. Mm-hmm. Like it's actually time to play. I, I can't bring any of that home. So I try to do it in a way it's like if you're listening to this and you're sitting at your kit, just just try to just try to tap along. Yeah. And um like you said earlier, you made a really good point about how it's pretty important actually that you experiment with time signatures because it just opens up so many opportunities like yeah. you said potential mm-hmm. yeah well just i mean take someone like uh like travis barker who admittedly is an amazing drummer mm-hmm. but i mean part of what makes him amazing in most people's minds is that he does things that are unexpected and the reason they're unexpected is because he doesn't just follow a simple pattern he mm-hmm. is seeing those subdivisions and he's throwing in a snare hit or a bell hit or uh, a weird tom fill in those subdivisions where, you know, on a normal pop 
hit, you wouldn't have it. <laughs> you know? Right. So everyone's like, whoa, that was cool. And it's not that difficult. In fact, if yeah. you just shift it over, yep. <laughs> it's the same You'll as anything else. But mm -hmm. um but he's starting in that weird time. I remember there was a song I covered actually that took me like an hour just to realize that um he probably like wrote this groove in another time signature and then shifted it over and mm -hmm. put it over top because it was like how does this make sense like i'm yeah. how, like it almost switches as soon as the vocals come in then you're acclimated to what time signature it's in because oh, he leaves yeah, out yeah, the I very love that stuff. yeah he leaves out that first like like uh kick downbeat. or something like that yeah. yeah the downbeat yeah and then you're like wait where what's going on so you think the song's in a certain time and then all of a sudden the vocals come and it's like oh that's not the time and now you're acclimated right. to the part and uh and he does this stuff all the time i mean it's amazing oh yeah um and this I is know, all just that. utilizing subdivisions i mean he's not changing it's a 4/4 four, four beat it's like yeah. there's nothing crazy about the time signature. It's what's crazy is that he's utilizing everything within that time signature. Yeah. So we're doing this constantly with this, you know, with this new record or with any yeah. record. You guys are a great like, example as well. I'll, yeah. sp I'll spend hours learning a rhythm with the right hand playing the China symbol or whatever symbol on the on the quarter note, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it's like, all right, let's take it to the upbeat. Yeah. Well, all that means is you're going to now convert your right hand. You're going to subdivide it in eighth notes, and you're going to put your right hand on the end. Mm -hmm. So if the rhythm was really simple, like that, 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 that quarter note is that, 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 that. So you spent 20 minutes, you know, figuring out how that flows, and all of a sudden you're going to say, okay, let's put it on the upbeat. That, 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 that. I, I used to be able to play that <laughs> when my right hand was on the only you know on the downbeat. That is some of the best practice. If you mm -hmm. never jump into those different parts of the beat, you know, uh, you're not going to push yourself with things that you can play now, but you won't be able to play once mm -hmm. you um you know, experiment with yeah. what you could be doing, especially on your cymbals. That, that's where you get a lot of your sound from. Yep. So definitely recommend you just sitting down and not, not overwhelming yourself with this idea of time signatures and subdivisions. But honestly, just um, if you're a visual learner, get a um, like a dry erase board and draw four lines, four vertical lines. One, two, three, four. Put the numbers at the top. And... Write on each line what you're going to play on mm -hmm. that line, and then and then draw lines th like thinner lines or a different color in between those lines, and write what you're going to hit on those lines. Those mm -hmm. would be your eighth notes, and then in between the th the thick line and the thinner line, um, write another line. Those would be your sixteenth notes, your e's and your uhs, and write mm -hmm. what you're going to play on there, and then try to try to just play it. So you right. take it from a visual. Um, lesson if you will or just a visual representation of a beat to you sitting there trying to hit things at those points mm -hmm. on a line <laughs> it's really <Right>. hard <laughs> that's what we do when we write drum music we we are we are saying that's how it looks and maybe how it's programmed so therefore that's how it sounds but now i have to actually train my body to do that mm -hmm. yeah that's how you get good 
So if some of you are having trouble conceptualizing some of this and have just turned off at this point, <laughs> like this is too advanced for me, that's mm-hmm. okay, first off. But here's one more tactic that I tried when I was at that same place. Like I couldn't envision all this. I couldn't see it all in front of me. Um, yeah. I couldn't figure it out in my head, especially while I was playing because I had so many other things to think about. I mean, I had at least three limbs moving that I needed to, you know, have control over. Um, so mm-hmm. one thing I did, and this, so I'm a right-handed drummer with my right. If I was playing a consistent beat, so, you know, this is just a 4-4 four, four beat. One, two, yep. three, four. I would mentally tell myself, just hold, hold wait, wait. And it would just be one beat. And then I would start, mm-hmm. but it would make me start on the off time, but just with one limb. So one, right. two, three, four, wait. Or, sorry, one, two, three, four, wait. Mm. And now I'm on the off time with my right hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand what that was, but I knew it sounded cool because now I have this weird... And all it took for me mentally... Again, this is not how you should learn drums, but this is how I learned how to do this was yeah. just, uh, I just mentally told myself on my right hand, wait, and then come back in the same exact way, just on the next mm-hmm. offbeat, you know, and, and then mm-hmm. I was able to do it. So maybe that's something you guys can try, maybe experiment with both hands, you know, try holding for a beat, coming in on yeah. the offbeat and continuing that same rhythm with your right or vice versa on your, on your left, you know, start playing on the playing the offbeat on the left. And sooner or later, once you're playing this over and over and over again, it'll start to become second, second nature where you can actually switch back and forth between your off time and your on time. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then <laughs> what we're saying might start to make sense a little bit more as you, as you begin to count it. Sure. You just got to try. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one, one thing I've learned in this session is it's okay to make mistakes. That's right. And we all know that, but have you gotten to the point where you're willing to make mistakes in front of people who you care about their opinion? Mm-hmm. Maybe they think that you're a certain level of drummer and you, you think that you're not, um, and you're afraid to make mistakes in front of them. Best thing you can do is start making mistakes in front of them because it's going to give you the freedom to just be, be, be where you're at mm-hmm. and, and, it's it's going to be hard for you to get better as a drummer if you are trying to project a certain image about where you are as a drummer that you're just not. Mm-hmm. You're just not. Because everybody's posting their best takes. Right. But no one's as good as they make themselves seem on the internet. Very rarely is anyone as good as they, um, as they make themselves seem. Or as good looking or just, you know, <laughs> you can you, you can project this in any direction you want to. But... The, the best thing you can do for yourself is just be real with where you're at and just do not be afraid to make mistakes because mm-hmm. you're going to continue growing and getting better if you if you just get over the fact that you're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's It's a heavy burden to carry if you're going to tell yourself that like you have to be perfect if you're playing in front of people. And, and right. I know that because I was there for a long time. Yeah. This has been a fun session for me because I'm willing to... Um, not hide behind what I have rehearsed and practiced and prepared. Just be like, all right, 
let's try some ideas. I haven't rehearsed any of it, but I'm going to play it for you right now. Mm-hmm. Someone says, yeah, try to do this, 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 and that. It's like, okay, let me figure it out. Here we go. Oh, that, that, nope, I can't. Nope. Okay, that's closer. <laughs> ah, kind of sucks. Let me try it. Oh, I got it. That's that's actually pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. Or uh, I don't think it sounds cool. I think we should go back the other way. That's what it's all about. Right. That's right. And that's so I, I would just encourage you guys to do that. You know, as you're trying to mess with this whole idea of time signatures and subdivisions, do mm-hmm. not be afraid to make mistakes and just to just just try it. It's fun. Mm-hmm. If there's anything to pull from this topic, that is it. <laughs> that's that's the best advice you're going to hear <laughs> for our drum topic today. Go for just, it. Just, just go it. for it. Just try it. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I wish someone would have told me that. It's it's okay. You're doing mm-hmm. a good job. You're sitting behind a drum set and you're you're trying to learn things that you don't know much about. Good. Mm-hmm. That's exactly where you should be. That's right. That's yep. great. Mm-hmm. Smile, suck, shred. That's it. <laughs> you remember that. Kind of wow. keep drilling that one in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bad at it, so. <laughs> good topic, Tim. Yeah, that was good. Let's move on to uh, faith. Yeah. What's our faith topic today? Discipleship. All right. This I'll, one. Uh, yeah. I'll steer this one in the direction that I, I think you might be trying to go, and All right. we'll see. Let's, you can ram me see. back in yeah. if not. I love it. Let's do it. All right. So I was at a banquet last night for an organization called Men of Iron. They started here in, I believe, Lancaster, cool. Pennsylvania, where I'm from. Um, and the goal of Men of Iron is to provide mentorship for men because they believe that culture is greater when men are better. Um, and men can only be better if they are being shown what it is to be a man and to pursue a life of integrity and honesty and transparency, accountability, um, being a good dad, being a good husband, being a good son, whatever it might be. And so they had a banquet last night for about a thousand people. Wow. They had Tony Dungy come in from Tampa, Florida. He got on stage, and I don't think he was expecting there to be a thousand people there. Hmm. He told a story about how he has a small group of men that he meets with in Florida at home, and um, he saw a T-shirt for sale online that said "Iron Sharpens Iron." So that's really cool. I think I could make my friends jealous if I bought <laughs> a shirt like that. So he bought it. And he bought six or seven more for his buddies and. Little did he know it was from this Men of Iron organization here in Lancaster. Hmm. Well, he eventually got in touch with them and kept in touch over the years, and they celebrated 15 years wow. last night, and That's exciting. he flew up for it. So um, he gets on stage, and he starts talking about how he led the Indianapolis Colts to a Super Bowl win, world champions, Super Bowl champions against the Chicago Bears in Miami, Florida. And he talked about how in the final seconds of that game, he knew that they were going to win. And he knew that before long, he would get up on a stage in front of 100 million people, and he would have 45 seconds to say whatever he wanted to say. 
he talked about how what he had going through his mind was the men, there weren't many, but a couple men who had spoken into his life and in a way mentored him long before they ever could have known what he would be doing with his life. In other words, they could have Mm -hmm. never known he was going to be a Super Bowl coach, Super Bowl winning coach. Um, and what he talked about last night for a room full of business owners and entrepreneurs, um, successful, very successful room. <laughs> I felt like a peon sitting in there. There was like a bronze Olympian, lots of business owners that I have a lot of respect for. And, and what he said was that he, he really doesn't see his Super Bowl win or any of his other accolades as being greater than the opportunity he has to speak into people's lives and mentor them. Mm -hmm. And he talked about a few guys that he's worked with who have gone on to do really great things with their lives. And he's talked about a few men he's, he's worked with who have gone on to be really good husbands and really good dads and really good leaders in their, um, you know, in their towns and, and just good, good people. Yeah. And he talked about, if he was telling the truth, which he seems like a pretty genuine guy, he talked about how that is what he's most proud of. More than a Super Bowl ring, more than being on television, more than all the money and all the fame and recognition. Um, And I thought to myself, boy, what a perfect person to speak for a thousand people here in Lancaster, a thousand people who are most of whom are very successful and uh, just climbing, 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 climbing mountains of their own types of success. And he's standing there saying, we all need to be mentored and we can all be mentors yeah. for the people. Mm. And actually there might not be a better calling or a greater calling in life. Yeah. So as we talk about discipleship, I just think about how life was not meant to be lived alone. Uh, it's not good for us to be alone, whether or not, you know, um, that might be in your relationship with your significant other or um, just friends who you get real with and you, and you, you talk to, you know, talk to about life or um, in your church mm. um, <clears throat> who help you understand more about the decision you've made to become a Christian or pursue faith or, or ask the hard questions. Um, it's really important that your faith doesn't stop with just, I've made this decision to accept Jesus, or I've made this decision to walk away from Jesus. It, it's, it's, it's a, um, it's a dance that you're doing mm-hmm. all throughout life. And I think it's really important to be, be, um, in close proximity to other people who are able to help you and support you and encourage you and, and lead you. Mm-hmm. And you can also be that for them right. in a church setting or outside of that. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, um, that's, I, I kind of wish that I had known about that event cause I definitely would have tried to, uh, make more of an effort. You should come to be next there. year. Yeah. Maybe it's, I will. It, it sounds incredible. great. Yeah, that's really cool. And we should get some um, cement of iron, iron sharpens iron shirts. Yeah, they're very cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, that's that's pretty in line with where I was going. Um, 
so I've been thinking a lot about this, and mm -hmm. I guess I've technically been thinking a lot about this for many years, <laughs> just seeing the need. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm going to start with uh, with a verse, mm -hmm. and uh, it's uh, Matthew twenty eight nineteen, and these are Jesus's words. It's uh, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, what we are called to do as a church, first and foremost, is to make disciples. And that is a, in, it's often misinterpreted as simple as all you have to do is convert someone to Christianity. <laughs> like, just get them to a point where they're emotional enough to say a prayer mm -hmm. and then convince them to get baptized and then you're done. You can wipe your hands of them. That's not, that's not what Jesus has called us to do. That's not the purpose of the church. The, the, the purpose of the church is to make disciples. And let's look at this for a second. What did Jesus do when he started his ministry? The very first thing that Jesus did was pick 12 disciples. Hmm. Did he pick people that were perfect, prepared, ready to go? <laughs> like, no, no. He picked the uh, unwanted, the uh, hated in some cases, uh, the ill-equipped, uh, the people that, peop that most of uh, the Israelites thought nothing of. They hmm. were... The simple fishermen, um, the tradesmen that weren't, quote unquote, intelligent enough to, um, to, to speak in church. <laughs> you know, the people that uh, were overlooked, the tax collectors who were despised yeah. by, by many. Those were the people who, who Jesus made disciples of. And so when I think about the church... And the purpose of the church, and I'm saying big C church, I'm not saying like your local church, although this, they fall under this as well. Mm -hmm. uh, the purpose of the church is to make disciples. And Jesus didn't simply talk to Matthew, the tax collector, you know, tell him to follow him and, you know, get baptized and then be on his way. Jesus mm -hmm. took, Jesus took him alongside him on his ministry. Mm -hmm. Jesus counseled him. That's true. Uh, he was a Jesus, great counselor. Jesus cared about these these 12 disciples who, you know, when you look into some of the, like there's a lot of biblical scholars who actually will say that there were 12 main disciples talked about in the Bible, but there were actually hundreds of disciples of Jesus that followed mm. along with him throughout his ministry. <laughs> so, like, hmm. think about that. I mean, there are people that, that Jesus was preaching to and teaching to day in and day out that were following him, you know. And and that concept, uh, I mean, even if you take it as simply as the 12, I mean, that Jesus was was ministering to these 12 guys every day. They were his hmm. disciples. And then he tells us to go and make disciples, and if we read it the same way, there's a lot more investment <laughs> in discipleship Absolutely. than simply let's let's try to get as many people saved 
quote unquote, or converted to Christianity as we can. Like that's, it's such, Hmm. that's such the, the opposite of what Jesus was trying to call us to. So when we think about our calling as Christians, uh, we are called to make disciples. And, uh, in 2010, Matt and I started a ministry called Brick by Brick, almost for this exact reason. We were seeing the issue with simply having a conversation with someone. Maybe that person at the end of the night says a prayer and, you know, accepts Jesus, you know, sees what uh, Christianity is really about and wants to uh, take steps in that direction. And then off we go. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no accountability for that person. There's no discipleship, you know, and, and that's what we were lacking. And we saw the need like then, <laughs> you know, and thankfully like technology and, and podcasts like this have allowed us to be able to continue to speak into people's lives, you know, to share our heart. But um, there's so much more to discipleship than just that. And mm-hmm. I think that like Absolutely. I, I kind of saw this topic as an opportunity to, I mean, most of you listening are part of a church, um, whether you're a pastor or, or in some kind of leadership position or not, doesn't really matter because the purpose of the church is to, to disciple. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if you see an opportunity um, or a missed opportunity <laughs> where you're not discipling, I mean, that's something you should address right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw this as just an opportunity because I, I see it on myself. So I'm not excluding myself from this calling. <laughs> I'm just saying like yeah. we should be uh, diligent in seeing what God has called us to do, what Jesus has called us to do, and and being disciples and making sure that our church, that, that the main focus of the church is to disciple. I don't know. What do yeah, you think about that? That's a really good point. I think that if you are in a place where you do not want to go to church or be around Christians as a Christian yourself, Tim and I can both empathize, can both empathize with you. Oh yes. We were there. Still there. I think if you're, if you're, (laughs) 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 yes, we, we are definitely still there sometimes, but you know, what's really cool is, is that years later after starting this podcast and having fought the battles we needed to fight, we are both active members in a church and both serving. And I would, I would challenge you um, if you are a Christian and you are, you're just, you couldn't be any less interested, much like me with the metaverse (laughs) (laughs) in church, in church. um, I would challenge you to not to join a church or um, to change your mind tonight but to just keep asking good questions, hard questions. Yeah. Do not give up. Do not give up because um, being a part of a church is actually really important. It's really central to what our mode is and heart is as, um, 
as Christians. And, and there's something just amazing about being a part of a community with other people who believe in Jesus, who believe mm-hmm. the same um, doctrine or just the same I- idea that you do. Um, if, if you're not a Christian and, and you're, you're sort of wondering about this whole thing from the outside, I have a, a funny little story for, for you that I, I, I has just stuck with me. There's the, a good friend of mine who, uh, he's an atheist. Um, we don't really talk about faith much, but we, we had both interacted with the same group of people and they were a group of Christians, um, who love Jesus and talk about him a lot. <laughs> and <laughs> I was curious what my friend thought about yeah. this group of people. And he said, oh, they were awesome. He's like, they were, they were awesome. They were really talented and just s- such nice people. Tell them I said hi. Tell them mm. all I said hi. And I, and I said, have you ever been in a, in church. He said, yeah, yeah, I've, I've been in church before. So what did you think about it? He's like, or no, I said, would you ever go back? Because one of this, the, the one person in this group was going to invite him without Mm -hmm. even really knowing him. And, and I wasn't really sure how he would have taken that. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, oh, I, I'd go. He said, he said, I was in church people. I just remember people being so nice to me. And and it was his reaction was so different than what I had thought it would have been because he's yeah. he's pretty he's he I I have a lot of respect for him because he's very honest and there's no BS and he's just like to the point and fair and kind and just at the same time speaks out against hypocrisy and like he's pretty cynical yeah. about things sure. that need that we need to be cynical about um, and so his reaction just kind of surprised me because it was like oh his his take on the church is actually really fair it's a yeah. fair assessment and when he sees good people he says they're they're good people yeah regardless of what they believe um i really i really had a lot of respect for his position on it and so maybe you're <laughs> maybe you're you're sitting in that same chair and you're thinking i want nothing to do with this you might have the same experience uh it's really good to be I guess I'll say in community with other people, regardless of if it's a church or what it might be, but it's, it's not, it's not good to isolate. We all, mm-hmm. we all have seen the effects of that over the last two years. Isolation yeah. is a killer. Mm-hmm. So if you can find a group of people who think in a similar way to, that you do, um, or, or have similar goals in life, it's going to benefit you greatly. And those people might need to benefit from what you have to say. Yeah. That's or right. What you have to offer. Yeah, but more than that, church is a place where um, Christians in the Christian church, Christians can get together, and it's more than just a Sunday. It's it's seeing yourself as a part of the body, and mm-hmm. everybody has something to offer, That's right. regardless of what part of the body you are. Mm-hmm. The Bible is clear about this. It's like it's really easy to say, "Man, what good am I? I'm just this part of the body." I'm not something important like, you know, ears or a mouth or eyes. Mm. And it's like, actually you are. Every part is important. That's right. And you realize um, part of your purpose really shines when you're in a community because you see what your strengths are and you see what your weaknesses are. And it's sort of this time of taking you from being this one thing and, and you being kind of beaten up sometimes and, 
you know, probed and it's really uncomfortable and encouraged other times and challenged other times. And just like you're being made into something great because you're surrounded by other people and you're doing something that's bigger than just your, your own, you know, your own thing. And and that's, that's, that's very important. Yeah. You're part of something bigger than yourself. That's uh, yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. I think like, like church, there's, there's a lot of assumptions to what church should be. And I know for myself, I'm still like learning what that is, <laughs> but I know of, you know, just from growing up in church, it was always like, oh yeah, you go to church to meet with God, you know, to have a good, you know, spiritual experience and, uh, to be filled or what, you know, whatever, but that's mm-hmm. not really <laughs> what it's all about. Um, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're going for that, sure. You know, I mean, there's a, there's a good chance that you'll have a, a spiritual experience, um, but I, I'm just realizing more and more it's, it is that exact thing. Like we all have a, a part to play. You mm-hmm. know, we each have a, a specific gift uh, or skill or talent. My video just, just died. So if you're watching, I apologize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, Mine's on its last leg too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like it's, it's really, it's about being discipled and discipling. Like it's, it's about being part of a community and, and growing together, learning together, laughing together, struggling together. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. that's what, that's what church is and it, it, what it has to be. And if it's not that, then, you know, maybe you need to find another church Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's because, you know, it's, it's, well, I think, yeah, we're kind of speaking to like, as you're talking, I'm thinking about the consumer mentality. And mm-hmm. what we are talking about is what do you have to offer? I mm-hmm. think there's a, an important distinction to be made there. Right. In, in the westernized Christian faith and church, a lot of people go to church seeing what they can get. Oh, uh, the worship wasn't very good. Oh, uh, the room's really uncomfortable. Oh, uh, the, the seats kind of suck. Oh, uh, the building's outdated. It's like all of that is so far off from what the purpose of church is. That's right. If you can show up to church and think to yourself, man, I love being with other people who love God and I'm excited to be in a building with them and um, be giving back to to God and to other people. I would say you're going to benefit greatly from Mm -hmm. that kind of place, especially if everybody has that mentality. Yeah, that's right. That's good stuff. Yeah, and, and I, I love that you, you know, brought up, like, you know, if you're not a Christian, you don't go to church, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think the same thing applies. Like, if you're looking for a community um, that is loving and will support you and will, um, you know, have your back, help you grow, <laughs> like yeah. suffer with you, <laughs> um, you know, support fi- groups. Yeah. Find, yeah. Find a support group or, or find a church that will do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And if the church that you find doesn't do that, it's not, it's not a good church to be a part of <laughs> like, yeah, you know? I agree. because they're not, they're not, uh, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, like we, we laid it out pretty simple, like whether or not you <laughs> believe in Jesus, believe Jesus existed or believe he was the son of God. That's, that doesn't matter in this case, regardless, the Christian church yeah. 
w- mm-hmm. should be following what Jesus said and he called us to make disciples. And if, if we're not making disciples and we're not discipling, mm-hmm. then we're, we're missing our calling, right? So, mm-hmm. so if you're out there and you're, you're thinking about going to a church for whatever reason, whether it's a spiritual experience or just to find a community that um, is made up of people who, who will love you, um, you know, find a church that is fulfilling that calling and will, mm-hmm. you know, disciple you and support you. So, yeah. So I, I think as we wrap this up, I think as a listener, you're, you're in one of these camps. You are like Tim and I, uh, I'll say, speak for myself three years ago, even two years ago, Tim, you just said sometimes even now, which is true for me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you, you want nothing to do with church or other Christians. You might profess to be a Christian and believe in Jesus, but you don't need to be around people who, um, who also believe that. Yeah. Um, we, we could relate to you a lot a couple of years ago. And then there are those of you in a different camp who are on fire for God and you can't wait to get back to church. Um, and there are those of you who aren't religious, aren't spiritual. Maybe you are spiritual. You're not religious. Uh, you believe in something, you believe in nothing. Um, you're in another camp and you might be listening to this thinking, I I don't really understand. I don't really get it. Um, I can relate to all three camps and with the occupation that I have, Tim, I think you and I can agree on this point. If I'm sitting on a plane, oftentimes nine times out of 10, I'm, I'm hoping to be sitting next to someone who, um, isn't really affiliated with, with, with any, <laughs> any religion yeah. or really invested in any spiritual yeah. passion following mm-hmm. interest. Um, and part of that is because I have a lot of respect for people who wake up in the morning and they say, I, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't, I haven't really figured it out yet. I haven't really, I haven't really figured it out. I'm not really sure. I can relate to that. And I think that there's a, a certain level of, of, um, of respect for someone like that, especially someone who's just fighting to figure out what the truth is or what the answer yeah. is. And I, I think it's, um, it's something that my band talks about a lot. I mean, we have an album called Found in Faraway Places. I've seen a lot of people who are a lot closer to Jesus um, than what they think. And a lot closer to Jesus than someone sitting in a church, mm-hmm. um, and so all all three all three camps in my place in my mind have um, a special place, um, and I think that if I'm looking at any one of the three in my own life, I'm thinking none of them is um, a safe place to stay and not actively every day question and um, and pursue the truth in. That's right. You cannot be apathetic. You cannot sit down. You cannot stop asking. You cannot be lazy about this. Yep. Um, <clears throat> because if we look at the life of Jesus, I mean, he didn't just come and say, I'm the son of God, and then just sit and do nothing. Mm-hmm. He was right. constantly uh, battling in a way. I mean, he, right. he he was he was he was weeping. He was 
flipping tables. He was healing. He was leading. He was <laughs> instructing. He was counseling. He, he was active. Yeah. And I, I think that's the word I want to land on in this. Active. Are you active? I don't care which camp you're in. I don't care which camp I'm in. As long as I am waking up tomorrow saying, all right, I want to keep trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. What does the Bible say about this? What does God say about me? What does my pastor say about this? What does my friend say about this who knows nothing about Jesus? I've learned a lot from people outside of the music industry, inside the music industry and outside of the church. Mm-hmm. That's right. A lot. Yeah. Sometimes more than I learn inside the church. And so that's, <laughs> yeah. that's where I want to keep living. I like, yeah. I, like, uh, I like people a lot. I like the church a lot most of the time. Uh, I like the music industry a lot most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we need each other and we need to, right. to remain active and mm-hmm. continue um, pushing for the truth mm-hmm. and not, not become lazy about it. That's exactly right. It's a great way to to end off this uh, this topic. Um, so, thank you all for listening um, and for tracking with us. If you've uh, stuck around this long, um, really Absolutely. appreciate you all. And uh, just know, you know, maybe you're not finding some of the things that we're talking about in your church, but just know that you know we. Uh, I, I know it's it's easy to just blanket statement this to everyone listening, but we do care about you all. Uh, we do love you all. Um, and I sincerely hope that you have a community of people uh, around you where you're finding this. Um, but if not, you can find it here. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm trying my best not to make this a marketing pitch, <laughs> but there is a community underneath Holy Ghost Notes. And, yeah, exactly. Um, it has, uh, for lack of better words, rejuvenated my hope for the church, uh, in a way Mm -hmm. in that, um, what I'm seeing in the community under, under Holy ghost notes is just such a great representation of the church. People that just care about each other. Doesn't matter what you believe or where your background is. They care about each other. Uh, they talk to each other and communicate, support each other, pray for each other. It's, I mean, it is awesome. Um, and part of me would love to just say, Hey, whoever wants to be a part of this community, go ahead and, join because it's awesome and you need to be a part of it. Um, unfortunately, that would be uh, kind of discounting um, what a lot of our uh, supporters have put into uh, to build this community. So um, with that being said, if you're interested in joining this community uh, and supporting this podcast, um, we don't do advertisements or uh, we, you know, there's no other source of income for this podcast other than your support. Um, and the way to do that mm-hmm. is patreon.com slash Holy Ghost Notes. Um, there are a number of incentives based on the tier that you want to be a part of. It starts at two bucks, which is basically a dollar per episode. Um, but uh, at the very least, it gets you at the, well, at the very most, I should say, it gets you into this amazing community underneath um, of the uh, Holy Ghost Notes umbrella and um, yeah, exactly. just some amazing, amazing, incredible people in this community. So mm-hmm. yeah, if you're interested, uh, feel free to check it out. Uh, I have one new shout out to Andrew Oates. Welcome to the Inner Circle. Thank you for your support, dude. Welcome, Andrew. Uh, looking forward to getting to know you. And um, yeah, that about wraps, wraps it up for today. Absolutely. So. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Thanks for joining me on this uh, fine Wednesday evening. And, yes, uh, yes. I got, I'm going to 
going to get back to the kit before bedtime. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a plan. <laughs> all right, man. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thank you all. Appreciate it. We'll see you, you soon. Peace. Peace.